Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, the Spark Conference. Access it today at thesparkconference.com. We're also setting up learning communities across Georgia. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org slash discipleship. Now let's join today's broadcast. Welcome to Georgia Baptist Discipleship, where we call ourselves Innovation Brokers because we bring you top leaders and resources to equip and inspire you as a disciple maker. Now today, we are privileged to have Dr. Patrick Morley with us. And Patrick founded Morley Properties in 1973 was one of Florida's 100 largest privately held companies, and he's been the president or managing partner for over 59 different companies and has taught Bible study to thousands of men for decades, I believe on Friday mornings. He's written over 18 books, and his book, Man in the Mirror, has sold over 3 million copies worldwide. Just really unbelievable. And I don't miss this. That book was selected as one of the most influential books of the 20th century. And Dr. Morley's new book, entitled A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, which we're going to talk about today, I've read a pre-copy. It is strong, and you're going to want to get that. We'll give some links to that in the chat just a little bit later. So, Patrick, thanks for taking some time to invest in our leaders and jump on with us today. Thank you so much, and uh, hello, everybody. I hope you're doing great and having a good day, and uh, we're going to have a fun—I think we're going to have a fun time— talking about discipleship and we're talking about men and we're talking about pastors and churches. Uh, this is like the sweet spot for all of us, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to give a reminder here as well, say thank you to our listeners because Facebook tells us that you guys have viewed our content over 20,000 times in the last month. So thanks for trusting us enough to get on there. We want to give some free product and celebrate that. So please leave a comment and you'll be entered into a drawing for one of five signed books from Dr. Morley. And if you share today's link uh, on your page or your groups, you'll get double entry into a drawing and one of those signed copies of Patrick's new book, but also a $100 gas card. So make sure that you comment and share, 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 and uh, we'll give away some free stuff. Now, let's jump in here. Let me give a little intro. Because Patrick, I feel like, and I don't think it's a secret, and I don't think I'm only one, but I feel like we're losing the battle for our families. And some have said that that can be traced to losing the battle for the hearts of our men. And I heard Jim Carrey, a famous Hollywood actor, he was in an interview recently, and he said this talking about his faith in Jesus, which I had no idea, and I have no reason to doubt that. But he said this, I think everyone should get rich and be famous. It's only then they will realize in time those things will not meet their needs. And I thought, wow, what a comment from a Hollywood movie star. So here's my question for you, Patrick, to jump into this. We as men, we chase so many unfulfilling things. Help us understand the current status of men and faith and, and why this topic of spiritual disciplines is so important for us to grasp. Well, uh, first of all, Scott, I, I do want to say thank you for having me on broadcast and what an incredible work you're doing. And I want to welcome and thank all of the pastors and leaders and men and women who are on the broadcast. I thank you so much for being heroes uh, of the faith and for the work that you're doing. Uh, I know that you are listening today because you have an ache for the harvest. 
Mm. And so um, the the biggest uh, question that I've been pondering just over the last uh, year and a half is this idea, you know, we, we, you have this church, and uh, we all know that we have a church problem. And uh, we also all know that we have a men problem. Um, and when I'm in churches, and I, I love the church, uh, E. Stanley Jones, the missionary to India, he said, um, the church has many critics, but no rivals. Mm. And if we're going to solve the, the problems of uh, men of marriages, women, families, churches and communities, uh, we are going to have to, we are going to need to figure out how to, to help men. We need to help every, every group. We need to help every generation. But as I'm sitting in churches and, and I see these people who I know they love God, and I know the word is being preached, and I know they would love to have an impact in the community, but I just keep asking myself, you know, what is holding these people back from taking action? So hopefully we can talk about some solutions for that as we get a little bit further into it. Probably should pause now. Is this thing, uh, if that resonates with you, Scott? Yeah, that's great. And that's uh, that's really what struck me. So Because I've been reading your books for decades, Patrick, and, and you, um, I told, I think, Lana this before we jumped on, that you've been on my board of directors um, for, you know, a decade now, and you didn't even know it. You know, your writings, your concepts of men's ministry have influenced, you know, what I do in men, how I think about reaching out and discipling men. And that's why I'm going to jump into these four uh, ways that God communicates that's, that's in this book that you're talking about, because you, you mentioned that. And so walk us through those. Let's start with the first one. He communicates through his works. So um, talk us through where that, where that concept comes from and how that's important for our men. Yeah, well, I will confess that I like I like taxonomies. I like alliteration, everything. So, uh, so the 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 arc of this book, spiritual disciplines, is to pick twelve out of all the different spiritual disciplines that we could that would really help uh, pastors get their men engaged. You know, a lot of times we're trying to tell men what they need to do. What I'm trying to do in, in this book, and really all my books, is to uh, give pastors and leaders a tool to help make their men thirsty. Mm-hmm. So uh, they 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 want to they want to uh, worship God. They want to be uh, involved in ser- service and stewardship and so forth. They want to become better disciples, and so the book really is a tool to do that. So this whole idea, the four W's, I've broken these twelve. Uh, disciplines into these four W's and uh, God's works in creation, uh, the word, the whisper of the Holy Spirit. I had to work to get that one in. <laughs> and then the the, the witness uh, that we have, which is actually now putting out and, and helping others through disciplines too. So that's kind of just the, 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 over, the overarching look of the book, if you will. Yeah. Well, let's talk real practical for a second, because that is... Um... With our team, we're in in churches, we're in these seats in front of our pastors and leaders all the time, so we get a lot of these questions. So let me pitch some of those to you. And here's a practical one. How can a local church leader implement this idea? So let's say the pastor, the leader, men's ministry, 
or somebody there is reading this book, how can they implement this idea to strengthen their men's ministry? Well, you know, I have been at this for a long time, and it's a little embarrassing to say this, but I think it really boils down to a saying in a different book that I have, um, a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems. Mm. And uh, I realize it's a generalization, but uh, I think it's generally true as well. I mean, there are obviously lots of problems, addictions and marriage problems, but I do... I have found that if you can get men into the work for themselves and get them in a small group where they're doing life with other people and they get them uh, mobilized to serve others so they're not sitting around having a pity party all the time, uh, it, it's, it's phenomenal the, how the other problems just kind of seem to, through the power of the Spirit, I believe, uh, self-correct over time or get better over time or at least are, are, are minimized. And so I would say to uh, you know our pastors who are, are listening, uh, this resource or any other resource, I, I wrote this book so that it could be used in small groups. Yeah. And I just, I've, all my books have been written so that they can be used in small groups. So yeah, I, I, I start each chapter with some, uh, some uh, concise information about each of these disciplines. But then uh, most of the book is, uh, most of the chapters are about suggestions on how to implement that and, and then uh, a prayer for the men to pray and small group discussion questions. And uh, gosh, I feel like I'm talking too much about the structure of the book and uh, not enough about the content. But anyway, that's, that's my answer. No, that's great. That's great. So, and I tried one of the, so one of the things I really liked about the book, and I told you I read the, the pre-copy, um, I tried the exercise in chapter one, all right? So sitting in a quiet room, quiet time of the day, uh, note the noises, the creaks, the wind, the temperature, the furniture, the light, the color, and then it, then it says, how does this make you feel? And it was so interesting, Patrick, because I can't, I can't tell you the last time I sat for 20 minutes in silence. Now, even my time alone with the Lord, I'm praying or I'm, I'm writing or I'm reading, so I'm doing something, right? But it made me feel anxious, like there was this this mixture of anxiousness and peacefulness, right? Because I was itching to go do something. So um, do you have any comments about the, maybe the exercise there, this particular thing? Because that was just, that struck me how anxious and peaceful at the same time that made me feel. Yeah. Well, uh, just as an interesting little diagnostic, and so uh, on that, uh, did you end up feeling like you benefited from it, that you would do it again, or was Yes, it? totally. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing that stood in my mind is, is, is really my time with the Lord is to stop, to stop talking so much when, I'm in, when, I, when I have my time. Because like I'm reading, like I'm reading through Exodus right now, while I'm taking notes and I'm writing things that I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to me and I'm doing, but I don't sit in silence a lot. It's a struggle for me to sit in silence and not write, read, think, and just listen in silence. Yeah. I went backpacking a couple of weeks ago, and um, I went to a place in Florida called Big Shoals. It's the only Class Three rapids in the state of Florida, and the Florida Trail runs right down the Suwannee River next to the shoals, and there's a, a specific campsite right over the top of the shoals on a bluff, and uh, it's, a, it's one campsite, and I got it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I uh, was able to 
uh, I carry a small uh, hatchet with me so that I can make fires. So I made a fire that I, I fell asleep listening to the rapids. And when I woke up, I had a fire. And uh, so this was a spirit. They're all spiritual. You know, for me, backpacking is it's a spiritual retreat. And uh, so I'd had all this alone time with God and praying and so forth. And I, the fire was about halfway through and I was just sitting there and um, inviting the inviting the Holy Spirit to uh, speak to my heart, uh, to bless me, if you will, with the fruits of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I just had a moment. I don't know how it happened, but I just became utterly, consciously, impalpably aware of the presence of God, the presence of Spirit. And, you know, you just can't get that unless you make an investment like you did, Scott, to take time to do it. So in the book, what if, you know, one of the, of course, I talk about creation. I talk about uh, things that men and women make because that's part of a creation too. And we can admire those things as well. Like AI right now, I'm just like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then humans themselves are, are part of the creation. And, uh, you know, we have Tonys and Emmys and goats and MVPs and and so we can admire all of creation. And so, so what I'm trying to do in this chapter is just broaden the perspective of the man to think when he thinks about creation, it's not just mountains, you know, um, it's, it's, it's all of creation. And as um, Francis Schaeffer, the 20th, 20th century theologian said, he said, there's a lot of leftover beauty in creation. And so uh, we can enjoy that. And, and experience God in that. And so the, the lots of other suggestions too in the chapter on how to do that. I love the one that you picked up though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the, I think the Lord was just dealing with me as I, as I read through that. So let's, uh, let's turn the page and head to this second one. God communicates through his word. And I love the quote that you put in the book. It says for every 10 men willing to die for the Bible, only one is willing to actually read it. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I don't know. I think this has been one of the areas where the devil has been extremely successful. Um, my, my own experience with is that most men, and you know, we work with men. Uh, you know, we're basically trying to help men have an, an experience with God and then grow in that faith. You know, evangelism without discipleship is cruel. Mm. With me, uh, it's it seems that. Um, a lot of men, it's, it's as though they we, we win them to Jesus. It's like we we enlisted them uh, and we issued them a rifle, but then we never taught them how to clean and shoot the rifle. So they're not of very much value on to themselves or others on the day of battle. And so the rifle is 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 the word of God. And so to actually teach men how to clean and shoot is very important. To teach them how to to study the Bible. Now sometimes you you. you you can backdoor that. I think a lot. Uh, we 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 also need to give a nod to the fact that reading the word is not the only way men get the word. So your sermons, pastors, are so incredibly important. Amen. Uh, you take scripture and uh, exegete it and uh, and then explain it 
uh, tell not only what it says, but what it means, and then how it applies to their lives. It, this makes the, the 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 word become alive, and so uh, it's just one of the most uh, power. Well, it is the way that God has uh, principally. Um, well, I, I don't even know if I should say that because of the Holy Spirit, but uh, it's certainly one of, one of the principal ways that God communicates with us. General revelation, yeah, through creation, we talked about that, but now we're talking about special revelation. And uh, we would never know about Jesus if it wasn't for special revelation. Mm. Now, God would have come up with a different way, right? But the way he chose is special revelation so that we know that uh, Jesus, that God became a all the things, you know, we'll go through the gospel, but you know, all the things that we want to help people understand and grow in their faith. So on the final exam, you know, it's, uh, I could picture a question, God saying, well, how did you like my book? <laughs> I love it. I love it. And by the way, I just wrote down the quote, evangelism without discipleship is cruel. I've never heard um, that language before. I don't so think I've got that one in this particular book, but anyway, that that's base, a basic core uh, sentence in, 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 at Band of the Mirror in our ministry. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned something about the the preaching moment from the stage, because what we do as discipleship leaders, sometimes there is a bent towards, if you can just get them in a small group, you know, or, you know, th that sort of thing. And, and it almost, I, I can't say I've ever heard anybody just say it, but it almost minimizes what happens in the preaching moment. But I am a believer that part of Jesus' model is that he spoke in a large group. That was very important, right? All our pastors do in the pulpit is huge. And, and then he had his group, he had his small group, his Sunday school class, if you will. But he also had that, that inner core group of Peter, James, and John, the, the three, you know, in that closed group. And I think the most in, uh, intimate thing Jesus did was spend one-on-one -on -one time with the Father. So let's, let's kind of branch off of that for a second and just go to this question. What do you say the man, because you mentioned the, the final exam, right? So well, let's, let's talk about the, the guy, the man, the pastor, the leader, who's preparing for that final exam to, and, and he says, but you know, that's awesome, but I don't like to read Patrick. Like I know I'm supposed to be in the word, but I don't like it. Like, what do you say to that guy? Well, let's acknowledge all the different ways that men are getting the word. They're, they're getting the word through the sermons. <clears throat> they're getting the word, uh, it, it, spoken by worship leaders in hymnology and, and worship songs. Uh, they're getting the the word. They can listen to the word uh, if they're on listening to the radio, or they can do audible versions of 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 the book. My best friend, uh, he's deceased, but my best friend for uh, over twenty years, he was the administrator of our Bible study. Um, you know, we've got this Bible study, and um, you know, it's it's it it's a big thing. Anyway, he. Um, he did, he did not like to read. And so, uh, but he was adamant that Sunday was a, was a very special day. You know, the Bible talks about treating every day the same. Some people, some people make a special day. Well, he was like that. And so he, he would listen intently, but he also was involved in a Bible study because he knew that even though he didn't like to read, if he was involved in a men's Bible study, that he would get a, another regular dose outside of his special Sunday. So I think, uh, and then um, 
he would ask me questions all the time as well. So I think having somebody that you can ask spiritual questions of who actually knows the word so they can answer not out of their own best thinking, but they can answer with uh, scriptural answers. So those are just a few of the ways. And there are other, other thoughts in the book about how to do that as well. Yeah, that's excellent. And I tell you what it, what happened in my life, because I was that guy. I mean, God called me to ministry, and I didn't like to read. Like, I remember like a crisis moment there. God, you just called me to 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 be a minister, and I don't even like to read the Bible. So literally two things that I asked the Lord. One was, would you, would you surround me with some guys? I need some brothers that I can meet with for encouragement and accountability. And number two, God, would you give me a desire to read the Bible? Like I literally prayed every day for probably six to eight weeks, maybe two months. God, would you just give me a desire to read the Bible? And I'm telling you, Patrick, it was phenomenal how my heart and mind shifted to a moment where I literally got to a point where if I didn't wake up to, and grab my Bible to begin read that, I felt like I was missing a piece of me. Like it was just part of my day. It was part of my rhythm. And God answered that prayer. So maybe for some of you that are listening, maybe you're a knucklehead like I was and didn't like to read. God can give you a desire. Maybe you just need to ask for that. So uh, let's go to this third one here. Love this part. Love the wordsmithing um, in this part of it. it says, God communicates through the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Talk to us about where that came from. Well, there's a whole category of uh, disciplines, and uh, there's so many in my world. I'm going to look at the table of contents of the book right now. But there are so many uh, of the disciplines that really are the interaction between you and the Holy Spirit uh, in this life at this time, right? And so, um, the uh, and I'll just I'll, I'll rifle them off, and then we can uh, dive into any, anyone you want to take a look at. But okay. uh, the chapters are a man in worship. That's one, uh, you know, to 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 me the uh, this is like uh, this is the elephant in the room. Everybody is created with an innate desire to 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 worship someone or something. Uh, I think Luther called it the divinitatis sensum, uh, the sense of the divine. We all have it. Uh, then a man in prayer, another way we can hear uh, the, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit, so it's Jesus talking to us, right? Uh, Sabbath, and then the small group, we've just been discussing that council, uh, you know, which you uh, mentioned, uh, and then fasting, which is, uh, I fast uh, I fast one day a week. I've been doing that for uh, 11 years, uh, uh, and uh, I, it just, it's, it's part of that slowing down that you were talking about. Uh, it's another way to slow down. And then the man in spiritual warfare, uh, I put spiritual warfare and fasting in there because I felt, felt like those are and the neglected disciplines, but so powerful and so needed, uh, the spirit warfare part of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love those section, this section of the book. There was uh, one part, I think the guy's name was Doug Couplin or something. He popularized the term Gen, Gen X, and he wrote a book, Life After God. And in that, he wrote, now here's my secret, that I am sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me because I no longer seem to be capable of giving to help me be kind because I'm no longer capable of kindness to help me love as I seem beyond being able to love. When I read that part, I just felt like that was such a distinct picture of so many 
males who are overly focused on comfort and amusement, which are to me the two greatest male addictions of our day is comfort and amusement. But eventually it's going to lead us to yearn for a deeper meaning. So let me, let me pitch this question to you. Um, what do you believe is the deepest hunger of the human heart? So, um, I've already said worship and I, I, I believe that that's it, but I, if we wanted to tease that out just a little bit, you take, uh, Doug, uh, Copeland, for example, um, by the way, when I read that, I was moved and I reached out to him and, and started a relationship with him, ended up sending him a copy of The Man in the Mirror. Mm. And if I understand him correctly, he ended up making a profession of faith in Jesus. Yeah, and, Lord. And so I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've continued to follow him every few years, and so I don't know exactly how he's living that out. But um, I do feel like God has helped to satisfy his hunger for, mm-hmm. for God. Um, so young men, which is our focus of man in the mirror now, is uh, on all men, but special focus on young men. All of our innovative uh, ministry initiatives really are designed to reach younger guys. And even even this book, you know, I wrote this book, originally wrote this book in 2007, but I updated and expanded the book uh, for a release. And actually, uh, yesterday was the release. So um, I uh, updated and expanded it to reach a new generation of men. I just feel like every 10 years or so, somebody needs to write a, a new book on the spiritual disciplines that just engages the thought forms and the issues that that younger men uh, coming on the sea are struggling with. And so those issues, you know, the deeper hunger is worship, but it, it manifests as, you know, who am I? You know, the identity issue, identity, meaning, and purpose on the one hand. And then uh, how that manifests is, you know, basically the practical things that young guys are thinking about is, is, is uh, their work and how they can, you know, provide and make a contribution to that area, uh, find some kind of a cause they can give themselves to, if you will. And then uh, marriage, um, uh, so either being a better uh, husband to the wife they have or getting married and, and having a, a great marriage. And then children, uh, you know, either having children or being a better dad to the children they, they already have. And so those are kind of like the felt needs uh, when you when you keep drilling down, though, I really think you you end up getting to this area of you know, wanting to have. So men want three. You could say it this way: men want three things. They want a a cause, something they can give themselves to. They want a companion, someone they can share that with. You know, a man goes off to hunt his bear, but then he wants to come home and have someone you know tell what a big man he was. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And then third is some kind of a conviction that explains why the first two things are so difficult. You know, why is it hard to find a cause and a companion? And so this is where all the different philosophies and religions, you know, uh, all the philosophies and religions of the world are not trying to solve different problems. They're all trying to solve the exact same problems in different ways. And so we, we, we have a solution that provides uh, not only eternal, but temporal relief and uh, 
and answers for men who are really wanting to find, um, you know, how they can orchestrate their lives in a way that gives meaning and purpose and and uh, gives them a sense of identity. Uh, the we we and our answer is is that uh, who you are in Jesus is who you really are. Yeah. And, uh, and so that, that worship experience uh, is, I think, the deepest hunger. And some, these are just some of the ways that it manifests. That was kind of like a rambling answer. Sorry about that. No, that, that's right on target. Because it, it, what it brought to my mind was, you know, one of the greatest spiritual growth lessons I guess I learned as a young leader that is continuing today is that my personal time alone with Jesus is the starting point, not the stop-off point. So, so often when I was younger, and, and I guess probably even sometimes now when I get really busy, you know, I'll, I'll stop off with Jesus, but it's like, I've never met a guy that when I, when he's asking these big questions, I'm struggling with this. And when I said, listen, if you'll spend time with Jesus, those answers will begin to come. I've never met a, a person that I gave that advice to who didn't come back to me and say, you know, over a period of time, you're right. The Lord is speaking to me. He's showing me the answers that I need. So that's just, that's really helpful because that's a shifting of a view of how and how and why we spend time with the Lord, because it really does change everything. Um, so let's, let's go into our fourth one here. Can I append? append? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So it's fascinating what we've, what we've discovered. And uh, we probably know as much about how to reach young men now as any, anybody in the world, uh, which is not a big deal because not many of us know very much about how to reach younger men. But uh, we do know a lot about reaching younger men, and it's fascinating. Uh, there is a process to relationships, right? Mm. So uh, there was a time when you could tell men, you know, you know, uh, you know, God said it, and you should believe it, and that should settle it. You know, uh, those days, of course, are long gone, even for for my generation. Uh, but the younger generation, though, they are more interested. In figuring out if you are an authentic person before they have any interest in your advice. And so the, the, what we're learning and what we have learned, and we're actually rolling out a, a big program on this right now called Spiritual Fathering. And, uh, but the, the, what, they, what, what they want is they, what young men want is they want a, a mature guy, a pastor, leader, layman, whatever, uh, not a perfect person. Uh, actually, they prefer an imperfect person, somebody who has made some mistakes, but is also humble and willing to to share what those life lessons are with them. But to spend time with them and and to get to know them personally, so that so the 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 thing is that before we can help men, this next generation of men, before we can tell them. Uh, the things that 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 we know will help them. Yeah, they they want to be, they want to be heard before they hear. Mm. Does that make sense? It does, and that's why above my head here you see the bet the farm on relationships. That's kind of our slogan for 2023 that our team is is really leaning into because uh, we and we see the same thing even with pastors and leaders. They want to know that we are genuine and serious about what we are doing before they'll even have a sit down with us uh, to be able to help them in the area of discipleship. So, gosh, good. Uh, you think about the culture too. I mean, there's somebody we're we're all bombarded with all these interruption messages. You know, uh, whether it's 
advertisements, emails, even text now, uh, you know, interruption marketing is just like social media. It's like over the top. And so it, 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 we all, we all are feeling fatigued from this. Yes. It, so to have somebody who is interested in me without some hidden agenda, first of all, I think everybody has a hidden agenda. You know, the, the young guys definitely feel like everybody has a hidden agenda. Yeah. And, and uh, so, do, so how do you earn trust? Well, you, it takes time. It just takes time. You have to make an investment. You can't, we, I don't think, I think we're beyond the age of uh, broadcasting a message to uh, men about what they need to do to get fixed to be better, to help them. And, and them it, you know, readily accepting that. I, I really do believe we have to build these authentic relationships that you just were mentioning. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, God communicates through the witness of believers. Talk through that for just a moment, and then we'll pick it apart. Yeah. Well, there are uh, a lot of ways that we can uh, witness. Okay, so the word witness we get from uh, Jesus. It's the word from which we get martyr, by the way. I mean, you know, uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my martyrs, basically, um, my witnesses. But uh, often we think about doing that through the Word and we think about it through evangelism. And I think those are, are, are legitimate uh, in important, important ways because ultimately, you know, we, we do want to help men um, resolve the eternal a dilemma that they have, uh, rest for the soul. And so, um, but also stewardship, uh, teaching men how to be good stewards. Francis Schaeffer, I mentioned him earlier, he, he had another saying, he said, if you do your work well, you will have a chance to speak. Hmm. And so just being a good steward with the way we do our work, Francis of Assisi, uh, before he was a saint, of course, <laughs> Uh, uh, the story is told that he was out hoeing his garden one day, um, and someone said, uh, 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 Francis, if you learned that Jesus was coming back this afternoon, what would you do? And without hesitation, he said, well, I would finish hoeing my garden. Because he felt like that's what God had called him to do at that moment, yeah. and he wanted to do that well. So I think just being a good steward with the, the the work relationships that we have, and I know a lot of your pastors are bivocational. You know, if it, it's interesting, if you one one great way to build the church is to be, a, a, you know, a, a good employer or a good employee. Okay, so I could keep yeah. talking. That's great. So, all right, let me drop drill down just a little bit because you mentioned the idea of rest, and I want to ask a practical question for pastors, leaders like myself. How does the pastor leader, local church leader, effectively observe their Sabbath? Okay, because yeah. we're talking about this witness and what we do. And the truth is, we kind of explain away a lot when we talk about having our own Sabbath because preach on Sundays, you know, Saturdays are that day when it's it's wild west with our kids and we're running all over and it's probably not a rest day. And then you have the whole week of work going on. And I just see and I hear from pastors that it is a struggle to have and observe a Sabbath. So talk to us about number one, the importance, and then number two, maybe just some practical ideas. Yeah, I uh, 
I don't know if it's in this book or not, but I think it is. Uh, I heard a story once um, from uh, Jim Henry, uh, First Baptist of Orlando. And uh, actually, I asked him where he got the story from, and he, he couldn't remember where he'd heard it. But anyway, it's, uh, about some mule uh, uh, drivers or whatever who had these mules, and uh, they did an experiment, and they found that when they worked the mules seven days a week, uh, they got a certain level of uh, work done. But when they would rest the mules one day of work, they had this exponential, and I forget the amount, but this great increase in the overall productivity of the mule. And that's its own lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So, but knowing it and doing it are two different things. And so what I've laid out in, in the book are, are some ways to actually, you know, some, some suggestions on how to, to mobilize that. Ultimately, though, um, self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So uh, if you want to have, if you don't have enough rest, I, you know, and you want to do that, uh, I would say don't, don't try to gin up uh, your uh, personal inner strength. Uh, I mean, do that, of course. But just ask the Holy Spirit to give you give you more self control, and then make a make a decision, and then just there's a thing called behavioral activation. This is not in the book either, but uh, it's a psychological principle, and that is is that you know if, if a person really should be doing regular exercise, but they're not, and they can't get themselves started, behavioral activation says, well, instead of trying to do thirty minutes of cardio. Uh, Get up, get up one morning and, and walk down to the end of, end of the street and back. And just see if you can't activate the behavior. So take little baby steps, I guess is a more uh, simple way of putting it. But I think take some, take some small steps and um, encourage your men to take some small steps. I would, I would much rather bring, what I like to do is I like to bring my men into the real presence of Jesus so that they have an overwhelming encounter with uh, the Spirit of God mm. it, 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 and in such a way that, that their, their sense of awe is increased, their desire to worship and know God is increased. So instead of me pushing from behind, uh, you know, to, to, to get guys to observe the Sabbath, I, I would much rather uh, inspire them to, to want it for themselves. And that's what that in, in the book, I kind of covered that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's helpful advice um, for leaders, but also probably even parenting, um, leading our kids to do those things as well. And, you know, one thing that the Lord has, has taught me, showed me in the last, probably just in the last month or so, is just how personal ambition is that, is that human trait that when we leave personal ambition unchecked, it can be one of the most destructive forces on the planet. And I think that personal ambition sometimes slips in for us as leaders. And we have that do, the more I do, the more I can attain, the more I do, the more I can accomplish. And it's just a slippery slope. So thanks for speaking to that issue for us. And uh, let me, let's uh, wrap this thing up and close our time. Uh, one final question, as we, as we bring this to a close, just thinking about our pastors and spiritual disciplines, do you have any final thoughts of how they can use these spiritual disciplines to to implement in their church to help build the men of their church. Any final thoughts there? Um, 
Yeah. So by the way, this is my first interview on the book. I'm excited about that. So thank you yes. for that. And so this is kind of like off the top of my head a little bit. I mean, I've been thinking about things, but let me hey, let me tell you two quick stories. Okay. Uh, one that worked out for a, a man and worked out for the church. And another story that didn't work out for the man and his family and didn't work out for the church. So uh, Robert, uh, his father abandoned Robert when uh, he was uh, two years of age, the youngest of four children. So he, he grew up in a, a home with a single mom, but did a great job, but uh, no father to mimic, no dad to throw a baseball with in the backyard, nobody to tussle his hair and read him a bedtime story and so forth. And so when he became a man, he, he wanted to break the cycle. You have to admire that. But he, uh, he he had no example of what healthy male behavior looked like, and so he did the best he could, but he, he knew he needed help, so he joined a church. But when he arrived at the church, the, the, the men there had not really considered, you know, when a young man comes up to the, the, the front door of our church and reaches out for that doorknob, uh, that is a holy, sacred moment. You think about all of the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that have tried to prevent that moment from happening, and then all the prayers of all the mothers and grandmothers to make it happen, and it's a very sacred moment. And so uh, when Robert reached out for the front door handle of that church, the men of that church had never really sat down around a table, the leaders, the pastors, and leaders, had never really sat down around, around a table and asked questions like, you know, when a young man does that, why did he just do that? You know, what are the problems he's trying to solve? What does he need from us? How can we help him? And so uh, Robert's family, uh, he got very involved. He was a worker because, you know, he, growing up poor, he had a good work ethic, and he became the top layman in the church by the age of 40. And uh, and then and then something happened, and he, uh, he you know, basically... Um, he was never discipled, and so he, he uh, got burned out. Um, his um, oldest son was in the tenth grade. Uh, he had uh, he, you know, that was me. Uh, Robert was my father, and, and uh, my youngest brother was in the, the uh, third grade at the time, and uh, we left church, and uh, they never went back. Our family went off the rails. I quit high school, joined the army. My next brother followed in my footsteps. He eventually died of a heroin overdose. Long story for another day, but so um, church didn't really work out for my dad. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't good for the church, and certainly wasn't good for my dad and his family. My story is very different. Uh, when I reached out for a front uh, door handle, there were some men in that church who had uh, thought about why I would do that and what needed to happen and what I needed and, and all this. And, and they came around me and, and got me involved in discipleship. And they started uh, teaching me about, among other things, the spiritual disciplines. And so I had developed a voracious appetite for the Word of God and, and for worship. And, and it, all the things you can only learn by being involved in, in discipleship. So... Um, that's my story, and the reason that I'm so passionate about this particular book is that it is, and I can't think of a better uh, a better topic or better resource 
to tutor men into uh, the ways of God and and how to draw them into that uh, relationship that will give them that cause that uh, will help them make a difference and a companion, you know, be that husband and and then father as well, and then and then then also to to really understand, have the conviction to really understand how to be a man who stands in the gap in this. I can't think of a better story, illustration to close our time together. Dr. Morley, that was powerful. And uh, thanks for the transparency there about your family, uh, but also giving us two models of how things can work and how they should work. But we have just genuinely enjoyed um, having you with us today. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for sharing today and being faithful to serve and inspire leaders across the globe. Well, thank you, Scott. Lad, I want to thank you behind the scenes, too, for making things work. And uh, I want to bless all of you who are listening. I pray that God would bless you with a great abundance in your personal lives, but also in your ministry lives as well. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Lana Lana Melton, John Graham, thanks for producing. And we remind all of you who are watching just to thank you uh, because we're only able to do this because you give to the cooperative program. That's how this broadcast is funded. And I pray that today's discussion with Dr. Patrick Morley will equip you to think deeply, invest purposefully, and dream big as we make world-impacting disciples. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.